0: It was on the real one. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Oh my god, it's great. Cri- hey buddy. Hey. How you doing? I'm oh good. I feel I'm so much more relaxed. Thank you, Helen. I just feel like I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party with the best of them. And I'm gonna go down to the river. <laughs> Get ready. Woo! We are a tour and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Welcome to the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavallunis. This tournament, a special tournament, holds a very special and dear place here at the Cut Line. the inaugural episode. The very first, three years ago, was the Valspar. And here we are, three years later, still going strong. So thank you, Canada. Thank you, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Sweden, Spain, the USA, Portugal. Shout outs to countries that have been there before. Indiana. You state of Indiana, woo! Minnesota, Wisconsin, California, Texas, Nevada, the Carolinas, everywhere. The cut line has been everywhere, even Hawaii, even Hawaii. But thank you so much for spending your precious time. But now if you're new to the show, douchebag says what? What? <laughs> what took you so long? Valspar Championship, here to break it down. I'm your host, Michael Cavalunas, at Lunas on Twitter. Yes, the same individual that said late swap in PGA DFS is really a bad idea. Guys, it's a terrible idea. The event started. The venue, the match has started. The opponent is playing against golfers. Late swap, bad idea. Don't do it. Anyways, we're going to go straight into the good, the bad, the ugly for the Players' Championship. The good. Cam Smith gained an immense amount of strokes putting, as he always does when he wins any golf tournament, and he did it this time. The good part? We got him at a live bet at 5.5 to 1. Woo! Made some money there. Got some back from the weekend. Made money in DFS, too. Can't complain there. Now, the bad. I'm going to go with round one and round two. And it just was piss poor the way that it shook out Especially with the weather draw, that certain you know that the afternoon tea times got in round one, round two, and you just saw them fall apart. So, you know it's unfortunate. There's really nothing that the PGA Tour could do in that situation. They made the met, the best of it. I'm happy they got the tournament done on Monday, but man, I never want to see a Players Championship look like that again. And of course, the ugly, the weather, the weather was brutal. The weather was brutal. And going back to the good. I, I do want to say that Matt Fitzpatrick, we had no pieces of him. So that was more good. But this week, we are going to break down the Valspar Championship. We're going to do the best we can. Oh, and remember, next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. So, you know, if you want to, go ahead and uh, wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. To make sure that you're cashing big on Sunday, be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might Drop in through your back door. And the goal of cut line is to produce winning lineups, smashing lineups, cashing lineups, lineups that are kicking ass and taking names and scoring big with everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line. But before I make any lineup this week, I go to Fanshare Sports and FanshareSports.com, the best ownership in the industry. We're talking about RSQs above .9. Zero. It's insane ownership, insane, insane calculations of ownership. So easy fix. Go to fansharesports.com. When you fill out all your information in the discount code, write the word "cutline." You'll get twenty percent off your monthly membership. Ownership is not a leverage to be belittled. Look, the Valspar Annesbrook Resort players are going to have a tough time here at Copperhead, but you still need to learn about the course. Easy thing to do, cutlinegolf.com, go to the course report, and here we go. About Copperhead. PJs at Florida. Innisbrook Resort and Golf Club just north of Tampa, and the Larry packard Design Course is one the golfers have not yet seen this year on tour. But don't be fooled. The lack of name recognition compared to the likes of Pete Dye, Donald Ross, and Robert Trent Jones, this course does provide some teeth, as the name does imply. All right. So, there are numerous elevation changes, plenty of dog legs in play. Only one hole in the entire course provides a straightaway view at the pin. Challenges are in abundance as golfers have to manage water, tree-lined fairways, and very well-placed bunkers that a high demand for accuracy off the tee. The most challenging holes, of course, the notorious snake pit which are holes 16, 17, and 18, that they can obviously create an interesting Sunday. This is often highlighted as Packard's best design. The hilliness, the elevation changes, the mature pines, everything he uses to his advantage to make this course difficult for PGA Tour players. The other unique aspect, the use of dog legs. There's only one hole on the entire course. One that does not have a semblance of a dog leg characteristic is part of its structure, Let's not forget that the course has abundance of water and bunkers positionally placed to give plenty of pros headaches. So, the signature hole, par five fourteenth, features a double dog leg and since its inception at Copperhead, has been replicated many times on several other courses. One of the big strategies we'll see this weekend is players clubbing down in order to ensure that they're in the fairway. Don't be fooled, the rough isn't that penal, yet wayward drives that bang around those pine trees, there is where your potential for big numbers come in. All right, ball striking is huge. Approach play, scrambling, those are all keys this weekend. Bermuda grass greens, 6,100 square feet. Smaller greens, 11 to 12 on that stint meter, 7,340 yards. Five holes have water hazards, and there are 75-plus bunkers. Looking at the weather ahead, good news. Not a lot of issues. You do get some wind here in the afternoon on Friday. So if you are going to play that round one, round two, uh, Tea times go with the afternoon on Thursday, early morning Friday slate. Of course, you get some wind on Saturday and Sunday, but the good news is, all the rain that's headed there, it's coming in the afternoon, in, in the evening after golf is over. So it'll really, really soak those greens in the morning. A couple nuggets and tidbits. This is this is the first Florida golf, uh, Florida swing tournament that's played on the golf side of the state. Tournament is different because this course is littered with pine trees. You don't really see that in Florida yet. Like most Florida courses, we have tons of water tons of water approach shot distribution most of the shots come into that 150 to 200 yard range with the majority in the 175 to 200 yard range of course with the par fives 250 plus everyone is going down with the drive with uh clubbing down with the instead of using the driver past winners include sam burns paul casey back to backers adam hanwood charles Schwartzel, just to name a few um so you can see that different type of golfers win here Key stats I'm looking at, strokes, gain, tee to green, ball striking, approach and approach shot distribution, Bermuda putting and scrambling. Similar courses that I like is TPC Sawgrass, TPC Boston, Quail Hollow, Muirfield Village, and Sedgefield Country Club. I do want to add Town here. I think this is a good comp for Town. So um, I'm most definitely adding that when, when I break this down. But, all right. question is, who are we playing this weekend? These two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this is the Cutline's Birdie or Better segment where we go over the best plays, best fades, that this weekend's Valspar Championship and the Birdie or Better segment this week is brought to you by Golf Goons. If you are not signed up for Golf Goons, it's time. Get there. Get signed up. You get to own NFTs of these golfers. If they win the tournament, you get paid. You get paid. Paid for easy picks. Go to the golf goons on Twitter, and from there, you can easily navigate their discord. Join the golf goons, and you'll be ready to roll. Of course, at the golf goons, click the link in the discord, and you'll be ready to roll. So, this week, a little bit of caution, a little bit of warning I want to give to you guys. We don't know if players are going to withdraw due to the exhaustion from last weekend be mindful of that all right we already saw Paul Casey withdraw we saw Doug Kim withdraw we saw Sebastian Munoz withdraw of course these guys were replaced but still the key here is make sure that you are paying attention to the news to the information that's out there all right so we're going to start up here in this 10k range Justin Thomas Victor Hovland Colin Morikawa and Dustin Johnson from an ownership standpoint I actually think Justin Thomas is probably going to get the most of the love. Colin Morikawa is soon second. And Xander and Victor Hovland and Dustin Johnson are kind of just going to be sitting in that like low 10% range. Um, it's kind of an early look. Don't have a lot of tags here on Venture yet to kind of like really encapsulate what's going to happen this weekend and what people are talking about. But the thing is, Dustin Johnson had a very sneaky ninth place at the players. And everyone's kind of written him off this year already. Victor Hovland, same thing. Ninth place at the players. Now, now again, Xander missed the cut. Uh, Morikawa missed the cut. So we have potential for lower ownership there. I just don't think people are going to start fading Morikawa because it's Colin Morikawa. In my overall stat rank, the guy I'm most concerned about, and this tends to actually influence ownership a little bit, is Dustin Johnson. He's the only one who ranks outside the top 20, and in fact, ranks in the top... 49, um, at 49th place. And the reason is the long-term form and my model just does not shine for him in this case. Um, but I will say this in Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric that you find on FanShare sports, he ranks number three. So there's a lot to be said right there. Uh, historically Dustin Johnson plays well here. Course projections ranks number seven overall, number three in my style projection, number two for Hovland, my style projection. So any way that you guys can get different up top, I think is the best way to kind of do that. Louie and Terrell Hatton. I feel that like people are going to go back to Louie, right? Like it's chalk week for Louie, which means for me, it's fade week for Louie. I understand that the course history here is impeccable, right? Eighth place, second, 16th, seventh. He's coming in at sub 10K, which is going to lead to high chalk. But course history here really isn't that important. We saw this. You can go to data golf and you can look at this. But here's the thing. Here's some concerns I have with Louie. His approach, he ranks 72nd in the field in 2022 on approach. Ball striking number 4. So, like we can't we can't discount ball striking, but in approach, 72nd, scrambling 54th. So, there is rationale to say no to Louie this weekend. We saw him struggle with scoring last weekend. We've seen him struggle with approach recently. And it's a less-than-driver course, which benefits him. But, you know, excellent Bermuda grass-greens putter, historically. Obviously, coming from South Africa, you play in the Zoysia, you're used to all that types of grass. 18th of my overall stat model. Even Vegas, he opened up at six best odds at 20-1. to one. So, if you want to eat the Louis chalk, I don't hate it. Like I said, I don't hate Louis as a play. It's just how often do we want to keep rostering, ustuzzing, And get burned. Um, I know my man Kirshner is going to go back to him, as always. Terrell Hatton, I don't have interest in him here. I just don't think this is a really good fit for him. Um, We'll see. The approach game has been kind of off. He's just been really kind of off all year with with that kind of game. And when you have to be strict with that approach, and I get it. We're looking at like the API. He was second, 13th at the Players' Championship and how well he played there. Like Don't get me wrong, he's played some excellent recent golf, but the tail of the tape this whole season, I'm not sure if I'm going to buy into the the approach levels that we have. I mean, he has lost strokes on approach, and he's lost strokes off the tee. He's just been putting out of his mind. So if you think that's going to continue, then yeah, you roster him because you're looking at a top 15 finish. We know that great putters do that. It's just I'm not going to buy into Terrell Hatton having a hot putter that hot where he's gaining eight strokes putting again no ain't gonna happen so that's gonna be a hard fade for me um i think people are gonna go back to him because they're gonna see the recent form second and 13th but they're not gonna look into the data and it's gonna burn him so shane lowry is one of those guys that i'm worried about fatigue uh he played really hard all weekend long so we'll, we'll see what happens Uh, moving on, we got Sam Burns, Abram Answer, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Fitzpatrick. We're gonna start with Fitzy. Isn't this the time you go back to him after he burned everyone and his ownership's gonna be coming in at all time low? I'm not saying that Fitz is gonna win, but he comes down at nine K. You kind of have to do it, right? I, it's not that he's playing that poorly. Um. He had the rough weather draw and didn't even play that bad last weekend. He shot a plus two, plus two, then he missed a cut at plus four. Um, lost strokes putting immensely last weekend, nearly three strokes putting, which cost him the cut. Um, but before that, we saw ninth place at the API, 10th at the WMPO, sixth at the Pebble Beach. That's why he was so popular at the players. I think he just got a cold putter, ran into it, hopefully, you know, contrary to Terrell Hatton we get the hot putter back here for Fitzpatrick and we go back to him I think that's the key play here especially if ownership is suppressed that you're going to go back to Matt Fitzpatrick Jason Kokrak I'm betting him Abraham Answer. I'm betting him Sam Burns I'm betting him I don't technically like to bet Answer because he's pretty popular out there on the Twitterverse um, for the betting thing but the course history is kind of hard to overlook Answer 5th and 16th Coke's, 13th, second, eighth, 58th, and a missed cut. And then Sam Burns won last year. We know how good of a putter Sam Burns is on Bermuda grass greens, but these guys are dialed in on approach. Cokes kind of had a last few rough last four rounds, but still, again, an excellent putter on Bermuda, so we could take advantage of that. Shines well in all the models. Historically, in similar style tournaments, we've seen success from Anser, Rack, and Burns. The other guy you kind of want to consider is Brooks Kepka. Which Brooks is going to show up? Is it going to be the one that cares, that wants to play? Or is it going to be the one that's kind of like, eh, maybe next week? We'll see. Interesting that Brooks hasn't played here. So you are getting an advantage in that regard. Because you don't have to deal with course history as part of your evaluation in terms of whether or not you're going to play them. I think because that lack of information is not available and people kind of weight that stat too heavily... It's going to cause issues. But the thing I love about Brooks, his best parting surface by far is Bermuda grass greens. It hasn't come to fruition, right? The players, he missed he missed the cut. It was brutal. And it was kind of unfair. You kind of want to dismiss it because he had one of the worst weather draws. But after a 16th place at the Honda, I would not be surprised for Brooks Koepka to make a turnaround, come back, make this cut, and be competing on a Sunday. I think there's a lot of validation, a lot of warrant to be playing Brooks this weekend. So... Going down to the 8K range. Jason Day all the way down to Cameron Tringale. And I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to roster Tringale. I've seen him getting some love here. And I get it. His, his ball striking is really good. His approach is good. But we're coming off of two brutal miscuts, And I know we don't value course history here. But three missed cuts in the last five years. And one top five finish. And the top five finish is, is is glaring as as almost like one of those arbitrary blemishes, but still going to take advantage of the fate of Cameron Tringale if he's going to be popular. Jason Day, Bubba Watson, I have no popularity in. Who, I actually Watson, I do have some some interest in because he'll be able to shape the shape the shot here a lot better, you know, a lot more creative creatively than say before. All the dog legs are going to help like fuel things that he enjoys doing on a golf course, right? Um, we've seen that. On Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric, he ranks number 12. His course projection 27th overall, 57 and a half, coming into 8,800. So, I do have some interest in Bubba Watson. Don't have a ton of love though for Jason Day. Alex Norton and Webb Simpson. I'm going to go back to Webb first of all. I know he's hurt, I know he will not hurt necessarily, but recovering from surgery. But can't we just kind of dismiss last weekend is probably not the best weekend to evaluate if he's still hurting from the injury or if he's just rusty. Um, there was just so much going on last weekend to to create such a nasty effect. The tournament itself, the weather, everything else that was going on. So I, I think we have to be conscientious of that. Norton, on the other hand, Norton just seems to fit this course, right? 21st last year, he's a solid approach player. Solid ball striker. You don't need to be a big, massive hitter of the ball here, right? And he can scramble so well. The only thing that catch, catches me a little bit off guard here is the price. Alex Noren at 8700 And I know the field is weak. I understand that. But still, that's a big price to pay for Alex Noren, which in the end might cause enough reservation to where I don't roster him. HV3 and Gary Woodland, I've been rostering them for the last few weeks. I know how this I know how this ends. It's time to move on. We're not going to roster them this weekend. I think they're going to be quite popular, HV3 especially, because of how well he played at the Players. Don't really see, though, a ton of correlation between success at the Players' Championship and here. They're just very different design courses. So just because HV3 finished sixth, doesn't necessarily, it's going to show up over here. Bradley, same thing. Played a ton of golf last weekend. Not so sure I want to hop on that train again. So Kisner's been getting talked up. And he's not going to pop in anyone's models, per se. But he's just so good on Bermuda Greens. And, and if you look last weekend, Cam Smith was the same way. He didn't pop on anyone's models. But God, when he can putt, he can win golf tournaments. Is Kisner on the same level as Cam Smith. No, he's not. But he's young enough to have his game continue to grow. We can see him develop. We don't know necessarily who he went, who he is, you know, as 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 that aged veteran pro. He's one on tour, right? So looking at kids, you maybe want to take advantage of that. I think there's some opportunity there. The the but be a, be very mindful of ownership. If I, if ownership just skyrockets, I can see you just going back to Russell Knox because then no one's going to be on him. He's the complete opposite of Kisner, not necessarily the greatest Bermuda putter, but dialed in on approach and ball striking, and that could come to play here this weekend. We've seen success, right? 21st, 24th, 16th, and Kisner's only played here twice with a miscut and 24th place finish. So That rounds out the 8K range. We're going to go down to the 7K range, and I'm going back to beds. I'm going to continue to roster this guy. There's just so much upside the idea of being on Bermuda Greens, knowing his background, knowing that he's from South Africa, um, that's key to me. Knowing that, you know, he, the South African has been playing. He's been playing golf. He's been playing decent golf on similar style courses. He ranks sixth in my projections. Sixth overall. Lee Eldrick's course suitability metric. Number eight. He's 16 in my overall stat model. 20th in the aggregate model. 15th in my confidence model. Fifth in my putting ranking. 22nd in my approach model. So we don't have enough stats for 2021 to necessarily look at them and take them seriously. But if you look at 2022, um, things are looking great and promising. Solid in approach, 35th in the field, second in scrambling, and you're going to have to scramble here. it's just going to happen. The one thing, the one disadvantage we have, no course history. So... Adam Hadwin is most definitely one of your GPP plays of the week. He's either miscut or top 15. We've seen that here with three miscuts at 12 and a first place finish in 2017. It's hard to say what Hadwin you're going to get right now. If you're looking at recent form, he looks okay. He's good at scoring, looks at approach, looks solid with the putter. My overall stat model ranks number four. Um, Ninth place finish last weekend following the miscut at the Genesis. So maybe he's putting it together just in time. I'd be mindful of ownership, though, and kind of going from there. Kevin Streelman, another guy people are talking about based on the success from the players. And I think a lot of guys are correlating the players' championship to the Valspar. And because of top 10, top 15, top 20 finishes, like, we need to roster them. We need to play them. But I think it's important that you guys realize how they got there. Like, how they got to that position last weekend and how much of it are you really taking into consideration, right? Like, let's be realistic. If we were gonna, if Cam Smith was here this weekend, I'm not sure I'd be buying back into a nearly three strokes gained putting. I'm just, I'm just not sure I would be doing that. Russell Henley, and EVR, if they were, if EVR was here, I'd be more inclined to do based on the fact that they gained so much in approach, and so much in tee to green. So. Be cautious who you're playing this weekend. I think it's pretty important. Um, guys who made the cut and actually lost strokes putting, Lee Hodges, that was last week, and he's not here this weekend. So um, Aaron Wise, another guy that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, but he's someone who, who lost with the short stick, but did pretty well. Strokes gained tee to green and, and on approach, so someone else that will we'll attack when we get deeper into the 7K range. Um, but I, I, I'm just not buying into the fact that just because they did well last weekend, we need to say that's the status quo for this weekend. And when you look at Streelman, where did he gain most of his numbers? Nowhere. I mean, I mean he he was abysmal in round four. And then if you look at round three, he gained nearly four strokes putting. So it was the putter. So Streelman is going to be a hard fade for me this weekend when you look at him in detail. Aaron Wise, though. Aaron Wise for the tournament, he looks solid. Obviously, you're worried about the Bermuda putting, but he's a great approach player, looking solid. I, I'm often the guy who says don't play Aaron Wise when he's chalk, and that's 100% true. This week, I don't think that chalk comes to fruition, so you're going to roster Aaron Wise. Johnny Vegas another guy I like this weekend. He's a guy who didn't fulfill promise last week, and a lot of guys had him. Danny McCarthy is another one of those players that fits the mold, who's not popping on terms of your like overall stat models, but is an excellent Bermuda putter. So that's another guy where, where you follow that Cam Smith trend. Could he be successful? Because he can dominate on these greens. Now, the other thing I like about Denny McCarthy, he's a Florida resident. So you have played these courses a lot. You play in this weather a lot. You're a great Bermuda putter. This is kind of like your home state. You're here to play. And we've seen it in his course history. 39th here in 2021, 9th in 2019. Remember, we had the COVID-19 break. And the, the thing I like seeing with Denny McCarthy – He's made four or four straight cuts. Four or four. So, you know, or four or five in his last five. Sorry. Missed the cut at the waist, at the WMPO. So, um, 11 of 14 for the year. I like Denny McCarthy here. His average finishing position, by the way, for the season 28th. 28th. So, take advantage of that 7,400. I think McCarthy, if he can putt, you know, he's got that top 20 upside. Matthias Schwab. Is a guy I have some interest in. He's not necessarily put like popping in a lot of my models, but does rank top thirty in my overall stat model. And if you look at the PJ stats that I'm looking at, fifteen. I don't know how his ownerships gonna pan out, but no course history here, so that probably helps us and aids us. So rounding out this seven K range, I uh, I really like Joel Dahman. Like I said, I li- I like Mito. I think these are key plays that you need to utilize this weekend. Joel Domino, he finished thirty-third at the players, thirtieth here in twenty nineteen. Um, is is ball striking the ball well this year. Solid in approach, and the only thing we gotta worry about is the scrambling around the game, around the green game. On top of that, he's putting well on Bermuda. So I think he's kind of going overlooked here. He's gonna be low owned. So that kind of rounds it out here for the for the seven K range. Guys, I might have interest in it's like Rio Kucher, obviously with the course history and made cuts and everything of that nature. So, based on how ownership shakes out, looking at the six K range, Zach Johnson, another one of those guys I love. He's a Florida, uh, he's a Georgia boy, but loves putting on Bermuda. He's not going to pop in your models again. One of those options that we'll look for to dominate. Paperez Lipsky, I think they're going to be quite popular based on. Lipsky specifically, he he's kind of popping everywhere. And I hit, hear a lot of chatter of him on Twitter and from from just certain threads. He's never played here before. But last time we saw him, API 26th, 55th at the Honda, missed the cut at the Genesis. But then, you know, 24th at the ATT, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We'll see how high his ownership gets. If it gets too high and not to warrant rostering him at 6,800, I totally get it. Vaughn Taylor. He's another guy that I'm interested in. Danny Lee coming back. I um, always love some Danny Lee, some first-round leader Danny Lee. And, of course, Luke Donald. Luke Donald's course history here is, is kind of like second to none. And then Wesley Bryan, he's kind of just popping in some of my models and probably something I'll throw some stabs at. But I don't really intend to get too aggressive down here in the 6K range. Um, there's just a ton of upside in that low 7K range where I'd rather attack that. So, all right. Let's take it home. Let's take it home. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over. That is our breakdown of the Balspar Championship. And join us next week as we break down the Corales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. Then the Valero. And then, dare I say, the Masters. So close. Special thanks to Fan Cheer Sports. Want to thank golf goons for all the support they gave. Smash and cash on Sunday, boys. See you at the top of the leaderboard. Let's go.